0: all right thanks austin so welcome here this morning my name is paul i'm one of the pastors here and i get the great opportunity to start a new series for you here Uh, we knew that i was going to be speaking on it so the staff really decided we should name it what's in it for me Um, i don't know if they know me too well or not enough but that was the name we decided on and so in this next four weeks we're going to really unpack four different subjects of looking through the lens of what's in it for me we're going to look at money we're going to look at volunteering we're going to look at disciplines exercise uh, purpose in life all those kind of things through the lens of what's in it for me now i think it's it's important to look at it that way because as long as i can remember and i think if you're like me well likely not but for me anyways since i was a young kid i remember thinking what would my life be like what will i do what will my job be like what kind of profession will i have what kind of family will i have you know, will I be, you know, when you're really little, I thought, well, maybe I could be a professional athlete. And then I realized you need skill for that. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll be an astronaut or a doctor or a policeman or, and you can name the things. And I kind of was growing through all these kind of things. What will my life look like? But part of thinking about that, how, how will my life look like, the question that really dominated that, that part of it was, how do I have the life that I really want? Like, if I want to be an engineer, if I wanted to be a pastor one day, how do I have the life that I want? What do I have to do? What will happen with opportunities and things that come my way? Is it, are some of these things just luck? Are they predetermined? How do I get to the place that I want to be at? And when different opportunities and options and uh, commitments come my way, the question then then came up was, what's in it for me? Like, sure, there's a great option here for me to do something, but what do I get out of it? What's in it for me? Why should I do this? In reality, I think for a lot of us is that we, we may not verbalize it, but we tend to think it, right? If something comes up to me like, well, why should I do this? What's in it for me? I remember when I, was, uh, going, when I was in college, I had a bunch of different jobs. But in the summer, my wife and I had a job at a Bible camp. And I was the program director. And when you're a program director, you get to wear a lot of different hats. And so you did... I did a bunch of different things from scheduling to running programs to talks to, to maintenance. And it was really funny always when they asked me to do maintenance because I didn't know anything about maintenance, but I would try to figure it out. And one of the things that one of the directors said to me, hey, this is one of a, they have these different seasons at camp, and one of the seasons was there was garbage that accumulated, and we had a dump a little bit farther away from the camp that kind of filled up, and we would burn it. At least that's what we did back then. I don't know what they do now. I'm sure it's greener and better and not burnt but we burnt it back then i thought oh, i don't really want to burn a dump that kind of sounds lame he says oh yeah like all you do is you take some fuel there with a the tractor and you doze it with gas and just light it up and i thought okay wait a minute that actually sounds kind of fun i said so, like do i do this on my own i said yeah yeah just take the tractor and you know we usually do a barrel of fuel mix it with diesel so it doesn't you know blow up okay, well, this sounds a little bit more fun now, so all right. I said, okay, I'm on my own. So I get there, I get the barrel, I'm filling it up with gas and diesel, and then I thought, well, it's a pretty big dump. Like, this one barrel isn't enough. Don't get ahead of me. And I thought, okay, well, how about two? So I fill up a second barrel, put I'm on the fork of the tractor, and I thought, you know what? Three would probably really do the trick. So I'd get the third barrel, and I get on the tractor, and I drive around the camp so kids don't see me hauling fuel. Get to the dump, and sure enough, it's quite full, and I thought, all right, I'll... so I start pouring this gas, this fuel everywhere, and the barrels are quite heavy because they're big and they're full. And I get to the third barrel, and it's pretty soaked, and I thought, you know what, that one corner isn't quite, it's not quite wet enough. So I pick up this barrel, and I'm walking through soaking gas, and I thought, okay, well, there's, it's hard, it's dump, right, so it's pretty soft. And I thought, you know, maybe if I can just jump over there, like with this thing, and I just balance myself, I'll be all right. Now, before I tell you the next part, it's important to say that the director of the camp said, you know, we do it once, make sure you bring fire extinguishers with you because we don't want to get things out of control, just be careful in the dump. And one of the rules was, one of the things that we had to do was always wear boots when you have a metal shank on the bottom of them, so you can protect yourself when you're walking through garbage. I did not want to do that, so I was wearing white tennis shoes. So as I'm holding this barrel of gas, I take a leap right onto a two-by-six that had three nails sticking, and then drop the thing of gas and watch my white sneaker turn very red. And then that feeling of skew, you know when you skew meat, pulling that off the, anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little gross here. But uh, um, hopped all the way back to camp, and long story short, it wasn't great for my foot, but we have great medicine and shots and everything else and I was fine but the thing was is that I had a freedom to do something there was rules around it but I was free to choose because I had a position of power that I could do what I wanted the way I wanted it and I said what's in it for me I don't really like lighting dumps but I like big fires so I'm going to do this my way and I don't even mind serving or doing things I don't mind helping out but really I really don't mind helping out when there's something in it for me. It doesn't matter the freedom I have. If there's something for me, I'm, then I'm willing to do something. And it's interesting that as people, we can really organize and help one another when we have this kind of idea that there's something in it for us. This will help us. This will put us on, the, on a notice. Somebody will see us. We may not verbalize it, but there's this feeling in us. It's interesting that even some researchers have done some uh, looking at this altruistic behavior in Arizona, in the state of Arizona. They studied different disasters and they saw that people really do their best when they help one another when they see there's a benefit for everybody. In fact, uh, uh, Linda Wilson, she's one of these researchers, she studied all these natural disasters and she said people really recovered well from these disasters when the victims would help one another. And when they would help one another it aided their recovery so she tried to explain this behavior of helping and serving this altruistic behavior was that when you do this you get better so do it and she isn't quite wrong rodney stark was another sociologist that studied history and he said well the spread of christianity in fact happened because people were helping people they were doing common good they were engaging in behavior that helped other people be better Except that when he started studying Christianity in particular in that time, he saw that it actually wasn't, it was helping people but the people that were doing good were often getting killed for it because the religion was illegal. And we changed his thinking and saying, why would they serve? What was going on in their life that they would serve in such a way that it might cost their life? Because that kind of shook up the altruistic, this, this idea that you, have, you benefit from it, that you'll get common good from it. It kind of shook it up because a lot of people that would start out and love their enemies and forgive people and pray for them and feed the prisoners often would be captured and killed it shook him up so much that he actually became a Christian so it's interesting this idea of serving and freedom and rules and as I was thinking about this topic which is something really interesting when you're whenever you get to preach or talk about you get to study a lot and read well at least I do and I get to read a lot and and you get to learn and see your own blind spots And it's interesting how many times when I look back on my own life that I ask that question inside of me, what do I get out of this if I do this? And I mean, I think sometimes when you look on people that seem to have it all together, people that have the great family, the great car, the great house, the great boat, the great whatever, they don't always seem to be happy just because they have those things. And yet we still ask that question, what do I get out of this? So I'd love for us to look at a book of Galatians. A book of Galatians found in the Bible, it's in the second parts in the New Testament. And Galatians was a letter written by a guy named Apostle Paul. And he was a religious leader of his time. He understood the law and the rules really well. The Jewish people were formed by their, by their obedience to God. They, were, they understood who they were in the midst of all the other nations by how they followed God and what, how God led them. And Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was completely reoriented. He's completely changed he had all this history all this knowledge all of the things that made him a great jewish leader but encountering jesus changed him completely so he begins to write these letters to different churches to the early churches and he writes to galatia and in this particular letter it's helpful to understand the context he's writing to a bunch of jewish people who have become christians and they've become christians but now they're wrestling with that tension what do I do with all the laws and rules that I grew up with? What do I do with everything that made me Jewish, that made me a person who loves God, that made me loved by God because of everything that I have done? What do we do with this? Do we throw it all out or how do we, how do we put it all together? What do we do with this law? Jesus himself said I didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. So how do we understand this? And so Paul is writing partic- to this particular group knowing this and he says you are free now you're free from all these rules you're free from all these laws you're free from having a relationship with the law and now you have an opportunity to have a relationship with god and i mean this sounds kind of interesting to us if you're like me and you're reading it you're like well that sounds great but I really don't know what it's like to grow up in a home where all these laws of Moses are hanging over me and I have to do this and that and there's all these ceremonies and festivals. I just didn't grow up that way. So when you read it, it's kind of easy to say, well, yeah, Paul, no kidding, freedom's better. For sure. But for them, there's this tension of what is freedom compared to, to uh, laws and rules looks like. And so they're really wrestling with this idea. And sense for me is like, yeah, freedom is much better And so paul gets this tension completely i mean the the first testament or sometimes we call it the old testament had 613 commandments that people had to obey 613 commandments and paul is now saying hey by the way you're free from all of those because jesus has fulfilled them and you can live in any way you choose to you can do whatever you want And some people took it really excitedly and said, okay, now I can do whatever I want. I mean, they were surrounded by nations, by people. They were doing a lot of things that Jews were not allowed to do. And now they're like, hey, I can maybe do that because I'm free to do that. Maybe that's okay. Maybe this is okay for me to participate in this way. Maybe it's okay for me to join these things that I wasn't allowed to do. Maybe I can eat whatever I want now because they had food, dietary laws. Maybe I can uh, participate in intimate arrangements that are different from what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm free and yet there was other people in the same Jewish community that became Christians that said no 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 to follow Jesus means you still have to obey all these laws and Jesus so there's massive tension that Paul is navigating and the verse in the passage that I really want to focus for us today is key to helping us understand what's in it for me because the people are wrestling with a serious tension what does freedom and rules look like And so paul in galatians chapter 5 verse 13 starts like this you my brothers and sisters were called to be free perfect this is it this is great we we're made for this way god loves this we we're made to be free and he continues but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh it's a tough word to hear sometimes what does that mean i think what paul is saying here he says yes you're free to do whatever you want but don't go using your freedom for selfishness. Don't just go living for yourself and do whatever you want because there are consequences. You are now in this, just a position in this tension of Jesus coming and changing everything, you now have the freedom to do the right thing without being told to do the right thing. You have the opportunity to choose the right thing in your freedom rather than just being said, hey, you should do this because you have to do this or something something bad will happen to you. I mean, I get this totally because, like, I like yard, no, I actually don't like yard work, but I like some of the yard work. I like mowing. I like mowing because you you push a mower, you see immediate results, you have clean lines, it takes half an hour, 40 minutes, you're done, you look at it, it looks awesome. Or you make your kids do it and you look at the lines and they're somewhat straight and it's awesome. I love that part of the yard work. What I don't like is if we forget about it and somebody says, hey, you should go mow. Something in me that happens that when I choose to do that freely because I enjoy it, I do it happily. But if somebody was to tell me to do it, man, I get stubborn pretty quick. I don't want to do that. Don't tell me what to do. I like my freedom. Paul goes on to say, rather than, so you're free, you're made to be free, don't indulge, don't be selfish, but rather serve one another humbly in love. So, what he's saying here is now that you don't have to do this by law, you have an opportunity to freely choose and make relational amp- impact that you could not do under the law. Do you see what he means here? This is really significant, actually, what he means here. Before you had to do this, so if you were helping somebody, you had to do it because God said you do this or something bad's going to happen to you. At least that's how it's interpreted. So, do this, you must. You had to do it. So if you were helping somebody they're like okay well thanks but you kind of you don't really care for me you just had to do this but now it's not just between you and god you now have the opportunity to care for other people to choose freely to help them there's a huge difference here you have the opportunity to do what is right not because you have to but because you can so what law what the rules made a formality made something that that almost made it easier to forget those people around you, even though God was always after people's hearts. He made it something like, well, I have to do this, so that it was a formality between you and God. And now is free to do the right thing, free to choose to do what is good and right. You can now have a relational impact that you could never have had before. You can freely serve people around you, precisely because you do not have to. Paul goes on, he says, for the entire law, so that's all the 613 laws, that's all the commandments, all of that is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. All that stuff, everything is summed up in this one thing of choosing to freely, not because you have to, but because you make it a choice to love your neighbor as yourself. Not because you're going to get something out of it, But because you saw that the law showed you what is good and what is bad, but now you can freely choose the good without being forced to do it. You can love your neighbor. So how do we do that? How do we love our neighbor? Paul suggests it's simple. You serve. So many of us are searching for uh, meaning and purpose. Purpose. What does life have for me how do i navigate this disaster or how do i get through this or that how do i have a connection with god some of us might be even wondering today is there god and paul says and sums it up in this way serve your neighbor that's how you enter the mystery of life But he also gives a contrast here, and he says if you don't serve, if you don't freely choose to do this, if you don't exercise your freedom in a way that doing what is right and just do whatever you want, here's what's going to happen. Verse 15. If you keep on going this way, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. What he's saying is if you choose to do whatever you want, if you say, what's in it for me, and you live selfishly, you will devour each other. You will alienate others. You'll become so selfish that you will destroy yourselves, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe spiritually, maybe mentally. You may be even with people. You may be surrounded in a busy room your selfishness has put walls and distance between you and your family your friends and you are all by yourself you said earlier my way or the highway what's in it for me i'm gonna do this this is the way to freedom but the fact that paul well the fact that paul is showing us here is if you live that way you will in fact devour and destroy yourself you will self-destruct relationally You'll become something else that you never even meant to be because you chose selfishness over doing the right thing. So Paul is very careful in how he's explaining this freedom and what it looks like for us. Yes, you're not stuck in the 613 rules that you have to do. Yes, you're freeing Christ to choose, but choose wisely because a selfish choice will destroy you. In fact, in an attempt to have life your way, you actually don't get to live your way in the attempt to have life your way you actually don't get to live your way and so apostle paul tells us i'll tell you how to get out of this i'll tell you if you're in that rut i'll tell you if you've been spinning your tires i'll tell you if you've been selfish or following the rules just for yourself to be right with god but you don't really care about others i'll tell you what you can do it doesn't take more education It's not waiting till you're more spiritual and you attend church more. It's not waiting till you have more money or more prestige or maybe you're recognized everywhere you go. It doesn't take any of that. You make a decision to serve others. You decide and say, no, I will serve and I will love my neighbor as myself because you're designed to do that. Your fullest freedom can only be achieved when you use your freedom for good. And this is what the law did well. I mean, if you read Paul's letters, he really unpacks this. This is what law did really good. It actually showed us what is good and what is bad. And then Jesus fulfilled it and gives us the freedom to choose the good, knowing that we have the freedom to choose the wrong as well. I mean, we could talk about how we're designed for this. We can look at psychological journals, and there's a list of them, and I just included four just very quickly. But serving others improves your physical health and your mood. Helping others boosts your self-esteem. Social interaction encourages personal development and mental wellness. Volunteering provides a sense of purpose. It's like we're just wired and made to help others. But it flourishes the most when we choose to do it because it's the right thing to do to love your neighbor. Not because we're told, not because we're commanded, because it's right. All of the law is summed up in this. And Apostle Paul concluded this passage this way. I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's what he's saying. As you learn to follow God, God will lead you into the direction of serving. If you take Jesus or God seriously, he will always lead you in a direction of serving. You can never be pacified in following God. He will always, by the Spirit, by His Spirit, lead you into a choice and freedom to serve community. He will lead you, in fact, into a new way of being human, into a new humanity, a way Jesus Himself demonstrated in His life here. When we decide to serve someone, especially someone who is not on the same page as us, doesn't see the world the way we do, doesn't do politics the way we do, doesn't understand faith in the same way, doesn't do life in the same way, when we decide to serve that person, we break selfishness in our lives. Serving does damage to self-centeredness. Just like if somebody's greedy, the way to break that greed is to be generous and to give, serving is the way to break selfishness. It's recognizing that freedom is a wonderful thing. But freedom used wrongly, used just for me, just has a potential to ruin my marriage, my work, my relationships, my friendships. Choosing selfishness will run amok in my life. And look, it maybe hasn't yet, and you're like, well, I've been doing things for myself. It's been going great. The one thing we know in human history is that choosing selfishness over and over and over will create muck in your life. It's just a matter of time. And eventually, you become somebody you never wished to be. It changes you and transforms you in such a way that all of a sudden, you're no longer, you never even wanted to be in this spot. You never wanted to be placed. You never dreamed of having this going on in your life when you were a kid. So Paul is very careful. Choose freely, but choose wisely. And if you are in a place where you're spinning your wheels and you find yourself that you've made choices and how do I get out of this, the solution is to serve. Serve. And I know it sounds like a commandment, so it's kind of like, well, you said there's, it's no longer a law. And it isn't. But Paul is saying, choose, serve, choose service because it will change you and transform you. And not only will it transform you, it'll transform your community. It'll transform your capacity to love others, even those you thought you could never love, even those that you call enemies, even those that hurt you. That's the power of the principle of service. Now, you're probably thinking, at least I was thinking this, so I'll just speak for myself. When I was writing this and and thinking about this, it sounds really nice. But what about, and you have a blank, blank, but there's a name there. But what about this person? Because we all carry a story and a moment and situation and hurt that is so large that surely you say in your mind, I'm exempt from serving them. I'm exempt from caring for them others in this way because you don't know what has happened to me. I've been taken advantage of. I have been taken for granted. I've been burnt out. You have no idea what's gone in my life. What are you talking about serving this person? Maybe you're not thinking that, but I was. But here's what I know. And not because I have all the answers and not because least of all, because I do these perfectly, but I have aligned my life to a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus, in the end of his ministry, and some of you know this story, you can find in the Gospel of John, which tells the story of Jesus. In chapter 13, in the end of all his stuff that he's done, in the end of all the ministry, in the end of all the miracles and all the things that have been done already and he's in this pivotal moment and we know because we know the story, it's going to the cross and he's going to suffer and he's going to die on our behalf and he's going to defeat death. Death was arrested, we sang, because of what he's done. But We know that story but in that moment, before that and after all that other stuff, right in that moment, he's in a room with 12 people who he dearly loved. Now there was crowds that came to see him, there was other people that knew him, there was his mother and other people and all that kind of stuff, but there was 12 people that he really invested into. They cared for and loved and they saw him teach and they saw his miracles. They were so close to him. And they end up the end of all that stuff he's done and before the cross and they're in this room together and he knows that that one's going to betray him and have him killed. And that one's going to deny him And that one's going to run away and be a coward. What would you do in that room? You've invested your life in just a bunch of group of people and you're in that room with them. You're supposed to serve them. And you know they're going to betray you, deny you, run away. I'll tell you what I would do. Maybe I won't. But here's what Jesus does. Takes a water, takes a towel, and begins to wash their feet. In the moment, knowing what these people are going to do to him, he washes their feet. And some of them don't like it, and Peter's like, no, don't. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. And in, John verse 13, in chapter 13, verse 15, we read, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So I don't know all your stories. I don't know how heavy and real they are, and I'm not marginalizing them or saying they're not important or heavy. Please don't hear me say that. But when we serve and when we love our neighbors, we exercise our freedom to choose to love others in the way that Jesus loved others. And so we serve not because someone deserves it, because certainly I don't deserve it. We serve because Jesus has done that for us. You see, Jesus wasn't interested in encouraging people to be nice, He wasn't creating a whole bunch of people that are just going to be really nice. He really wasn't. He was starting a revolution to actually completely transform how people relate to each other and how they use their own human freedom he was transforming the world to say this is what new humanity looks like and you'll be wronged and it will cost you and it's not that we avoid hard conversation and discipline and there's and it's not that there's not um outcomes of decisions that have to be taken seriously I'm not dismissing any of that. But what I do know is that Jesus set a precedent to serve others, to use our freedom in such a way that it will transform us and our community. And what's interesting to me is that we can all do it. Like it doesn't take a certain wealth or poverty or, or your sex or your your race, everyone can serve. You can serve your community. You can serve, start practically at home. You know that thing that everybody's like, oh, somebody should do something about that. Serve, do that. And what about some of us in the families that have somebody who always does the work and does serve and we all take it for granted? Maybe acknowledge that person and serve them. The only solution to true freedom from selfishness is service, is to serve, is to serve. Because here's what's at stake. We all have the temptation to use freedom for ourselves. We all ask the question, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? But in the midst of asking that question becoming selfish, or sorry, in the midst of that we become selfish and we become enslaved into something we were never meant to be. We become twisted and bent in our soul in our psyche and we look in the mirror and we say how did i get here i never meant for this to happen do you have the freedom to do whatever you want yeah do you have the freedom to go on the internet and look at whatever you want yeah do you have the freedom to step on other people to get to the top in your work yeah Do you have the freedom to be self-centered and not care about anybody else and just worry about your happiness? Sure. But what you will find is that that kind of freedom brings zero happiness. In fact, it enslaves you and turns you into something you don't even recognize. And you start looking at your life and you start thinking, how did I get here? And the only remedy we have is to serve. to live in the way of jesus is to bring about a revolution that will change the world and we can all do it true freedom starts with being willing to love others by serving because the alternative is as i said earlier in the attempt to have life your way you actually don't get to live in the way you want but when you serve When you serve, you enter a mystery of God and you fulfill the entire law that was laid out. All of it. All of it is fulfilled in serving. In loving your neighbor, you love your wife, your kids, your co-workers, your friends, as yourself. That's the revolution and transformation that God came to introduce. And you don't do it alone. God promises that his spirit will enter and be with you and in you And guide you and help you and so when everything spins out of control and you ask your questions I've done all the right things what's going on God you may know he's with you and the solution is always to serve others so what's in it for me I would sum it up everything everything choose to use your freedom wisely because here in Canada we do have enormous freedom to live in a way we want To choose it wisely to conclude i'm going to use this uh wise person named mufasa from the lion king who said this everything you see exists together in a delicate balance while others search for what they can take a true king searches for what he can give would you join me in prayer god we thank you for the freedom you have given us we thank you for how you love us so much that you came into this world and you washed our feet and you laid down your life so that we could live. It is not an easy way of life. But your grace washes over us and you give us strength to serve one our neighbors. So God, help us to lean into you Help us to use our freedom to care for our neighbors, for our loved ones, and for strangers. Help us to be part of this revolution that will change not only us, but our world. And thank you, God, for trusting us to do this. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you're new with us, we have gifts for you at every entrance. If anything stirred with you today in our talk, There's going to be people up front here. Please take the opportunity to come up and talk with them, pray with them. Please join us as we continue the series, What's in It for Me, next week. Go in peace.